Welcome back to Volume 1 of the Ace Audio Archive. I'm your host, Theron Stapp. The Archive is a quarterly audio journal composed of personal narratives, stories, articles, and art by creators on the Ace Spectrum. My goal for this show is to exhibit queer art by queer people and to explore the diversity and depth of feeling that can be found in the Ace community. Content warning in this episode for sexual assault. I will put timestamps in the show notes, or feel free to skip this one or read the transcript at orczone.com. It'll be marked as well. Today's piece is by Jamie Maffa. Jamie is a third-year student at Washington University School of Medicine, pursuing a combined MD-PhD degree. They're also an editor at prideandpractice.org, a website dedicated to educating medical professionals about LGBTQIA plus health issues. Their personal blog, The Ideatorium, hosts a monthly interview series with transgender people in science and medicine. In their free time, they enjoy writing and playing D&D with their friends. Their contribution is called My Asexuality Story. My Asexuality Story Part 1. Early Experiences I didn't learn about the term asexuality until I was well into college. However, looking back, I can point to a lot of experiences and feelings that make sense when viewed through the lens of this orientation. Many of these are common to many aces within the community. However, they are by no means universal. First, I did not understand celebrity crushes. I remember playing along with friends as they talked about how hot a particular celebrity was. I would pick a celebrity, usually male, and deem him my celebrity crush. But I remember never really understanding my friends' obsession, and being confused by their proclamations of these people being hot or sexy. Second, my real-life crushes were never attached to sexual feelings. I can remember two intense crushes I had in late middle school, early high school. One on a girl I performed with in a middle school play, the other a talented trumpet player in my high school band. I desperately wanted to be friends with these people, talk with them for hours, hold their hand. Anything more than that never crossed my mind. It didn't even occur to me that it should. Third, the vast majority of my early relationships were really just very good friendships. Starting with a boy I dated early in high school, through my first two relationships in college, my dating pattern went as followed. Become really good friends with a person, hang out together constantly, have other people assume we were an item, start dating them in a large part due to these assumptions, realize that my feelings towards this person were really just those of close friendship, break up amicably. Repeat. Fourth, I confused desire for close touch and romance with desire for sex. This was particularly apparent in one of the relationships I had while in college. The person followed the trend of being a best friend turned boyfriend, though in this instance I definitely had a crush on him. While we were dating, I expressed this affection through a desire to hold hands, cuddle, and kiss. He, however, was not a very touchy person. In fact, a joke arose among our friend group that I was more physically affectionate with my platonic female friends than with him. This was ultimately one of the reasons we broke up. This experience was my first exposure to the idea of asexuality, but through the lens that he might have been asexual and I was not. Trigger warning. Sexual assault. 
The unfortunate flip side to this were interactions with a person who wanted more physical and sexual interaction than I was comfortable with. I had a crush on this person, liked talking to him, enjoyed cuddling and making out with him. He wanted more than that and assumed he could take it as a matter of course. I was often hesitant, and he preyed on this hesitance to convince me into having sex I didn't want. My hesitance confused me. If you have a crush on a person and enjoy making out with them, you're supposed to want to have sex with them, right? I'd never heard anything different, certainly. Making out is usually portrayed as a prelude to sex in the media. So why didn't I want sex? Fifth, I treated sex as a chore. During my senior year of college and my first year of medical school, I was in a serious long-term relationship. I loved this person, enjoyed cuddling and kissing and being cute with him. However, I came to dread sex with him, especially when we started living together. I would do it to reset the clock on him asking for it. If I had sex with him today, I can get away with another week or two of not doing it. Unfortunately, he saw all physical intimacy as a prelude to sex, meaning that something I wanted and loved would almost always lead to this thing I desperately wanted to avoid. Finally, I enjoy masturbation more than sex. Throughout that relationship, I came to realize that I had the drive, but not the desire to do things with another person, and certainly not as frequently as he would have liked. Sex was stressful. It took something out of me. Doing it for myself was much more enjoyable. Part 2. Questioning my asexuality. As I mentioned, I found out about asexuality during college. At first, I didn't think it described me. I assumed that being in a relationship desiring physical contact meant that I couldn't be ace. However, as I learned more about myself and this orientation, I saw aspects that I related to and began to recognize my past experiences as clues to my identity. During this time, I sought out resources both in person and online. I spoke with friends who identify as asexual and compared my experiences with theirs. I found online forums, the asexuality subreddit, and AVEN being two key resources, where I could talk with a wide range of people about their stories, struggles, and coming out processes. Having these connections was absolutely key for me to recognize that this was an identity that could describe me. The world, and even the LGBTQIA community, assumes sexual attraction as the default. No one talks about what it feels like to have sexual attraction because it's seen as universally human. But talking with other aces helped me see how my feelings and experiences were really different from this presumed norm. For example, I didn't realize that allosexual people actually experience attraction based on looks alone. Yes, this is portrayed early and often in films and TV shows, but I always just assumed it was Hollywood bullshit. Speaking openly with friends and people online about sexual attraction helped me realize that this was a thing others experience, and I don't. Being exposed to a variety of interactions online also helped me understand the diversity in asexuality experiences. These forums were where I learned that you could have a sex drive and still be ace, that you could be in a relationship and still be ace, that you could like having sex and still be ace. That in turn helped me to accept this identity as something that might be part of me. That I wasn't faking, that it's not just low libido or women having lower sex drives. I also saw the value in having a community where I could talk to other people about being ace. These are not conversations we have in our culture. 
and there is very little offline asexuality representation in the way there is for other sexual minorities. It feels good to have my experiences validated and know that there are others who have had similar ones. It feels good to talk about the frustrations and challenges of being ace in a hypersexual society, about unique challenges in ace allo relationships, about alternative family structures, about family acceptance. Part 3. Coming out as asexual. I more or less came out to myself and my friends in June 2008, when I attended my first Pride. The warmth and love I felt from thousands of people gathered in downtown St. Louis was phenomenal. I truly felt that the event radiated acceptance of everyone and all sexualities and genders, that people's differences were celebrated, and that we were there in defiance of a culture that still treats heterosexuality, and by extension, allosexuality, and being cisgendered as the norm. Amid that euphoric atmosphere, I purchased an asexual pride flag, tied around my neck like a cape, and ran around the green shouting, I am an asexual superhero! People nearby cheered. I felt a lot of my stress and worry about my sexuality lighten in that moment. This was a part of me that people would and could accept. I didn't have to feel ashamed about it or felt like I was broken somehow. It was just another part of my identity. Nothing more or less. I came out to my sister on vacation that same summer. We've had a great relationship ever since I went to college and we stopped sharing a room. And I felt like she would be more likely to understand and be accepting of my identity. The first thing she said was simply, oh yeah, I know about asexuality. One of my friends is ace. The second was, dad is going to be happy about this. I came out to my parents separately and over a series of conversations about my sexuality. I hinted at it at the same vacation, saying I was more likely to want to live with or be in a relationship with a super best friend as opposed to a romantic or sexual partner. That fall, I told my dad I don't really feel sexual attraction without using the word asexual. His reaction was essentially, that's cool, can't relate. I finally said the word asexual to my parents this past summer when my mom asked specifically how I identify. Her reaction was mostly positive, saying that based on events throughout my childhood, she could see why sex was weird to me. Those events mostly stem from the fact that I really did not like being held as a baby. Don't know if that's actually related, but hey, could be. This discussion came along with trying to explain the split attraction model. Essentially that I experience romantic, but not sexual attraction, and I experience romantic attraction towards people regardless of their gender. My dad has always been progressive on LGBTQIA plus issues, and my mom has come a long way, so they were both very accepting of that aspect of my identity as well. Part 4. Why does an asexual community matter? AKA, aces aren't oppressed. I have not been harassed in the street, fired, or kicked out of my house for being asexual. Because of the nature of the orientation, it's not publicly visible unless you make it so. However, the assumptions that society and people in your life make on a daily basis can become tiring and feel dismissive. I have found that the default adult narrative of finding a partner, settling down, and having kids is one that I don't really identify with, and that can be alienating. I've had people, including my family, tell me that I will eventually find the right person. Many aces, myself included, value close friendships and tight-knit friend groups over traditional couple relationships. However, the law and society as a whole are not set up to recognize these found families. Note, found families are common among many groups within the LGBTQIA community, and recognizing them would help all of us, not just aces. I also know that I don't want to be pregnant and carry a child myself, 
But most doctors would probably deny me any permanent sterilization option on the basis that I might regret it one day. Most importantly for me, though, the asexual community is somewhere I can find solidarity, acceptance, and understanding. It's a place where I don't need to explain my sexuality, where it just is. In a hypersexualized world, it's a place where people can congregate who don't identify with or desire that kind of constant sexual messaging. It's also one of the most open and accepting communities I've found of people of all identities. Finding this community, and by extension, an aspect of myself, has helped me become more accepting of myself, and has helped me understand more about my experiences and feelings than I ever could have before. My Asexuality Story by Jamie Moffa was performed by Jazz Isinger. Jazz is a demisexual cis woman, an actual play podcaster, RPG game designer, and geek event organizer. She lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, with her darling spouse Dave and too many books. You can hear her on podcasts like Heartbeats, a heartwarming fantasy, see her latest nerdy work on coffee, and follow her ramblings about invisible queerness, invisible mental illnesses, and visible women in gaming on Twitter at Orange Like Jazz. Links to all of those things will be in the show notes. The Ace Audio Archive is an Orkzone production, hosted and compiled by me, Theron Stapp. If you'd like to submit something to the archive, I'm always looking for awesome stories, songs, and art. Or you can pitch an educational segment. Do you have a way with definitions or an awesome story to tell about Ace history? Consider submitting it. Check out bit.ly slash aceaudio for details, and never hesitate to drop me a line at theacearchive at gmail.com if you have questions. The deadline to be included in Volume 2 is April 1st, but submissions are always open. This show is made possible through the support of our wonderful patrons. You can pledge your support at patreon.com slash orgzone and get access to sweet bonus content for all of our shows. If that's not in the budget, the best way to support the show is by spreading the word on social media and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can. That's it for today. Remember to be good to each other. It's rough out there.